Myers for taking that over last week. I'm glad Patty's back. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that as we walk through and we look around us and we see the storms of this life, that we can remember that there was one time that you calmed the seas with your voice. You commanded it and that you can calm those storms in our lives. And even if you don't, Lord, we can trust you that you're using it to grow us and to stretch us and to make us more like you. We thank you for your word that teaches us these very deep truths. That they're not just bumper sticker sayings. These are deep truths that we can anchor our souls into and that give us the, the, the food and fulfillment that we need in this life. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We can say a lot of things are good, right? Low gas prices, an unexpected refund, having a good day. We can say a lot of things feel good, a nice, a, a cool summer evening breeze, uh, the smell of the fresh ocean air, a song from way back, spring flowers blooming, the smell of barbecue cooking. And you say, that's good. That's all good stuff. When I used to run a youth group, one of the kids told me upon entering a room cooled down by air conditioning from the hot summer air, this feels so good, it feels like hot sauce on pizza. And I thought, I did not make the connection at the time. Maybe some of you don't here. But have you ever tried hot sauce on pizza? It's good. I understand now. It's good. I understand why that kid said that. See, when we describe things or people as being good, most of the time, it can be pretty subjective, can't it? I might like the way something looks, and you don't. I might like the way something smells, and you don't. I might like the way something tastes or sounds like or feels, and you don't. I might like a person and think they're good, and you won't. When you have kids, even the simple little things become really good, right? And treasured by you like a moment of silence, but accounted for silence, right? Not when you don't know what your children are doing. So when Paul writes that the Holy Spirit is creating goodness inside of us, what does that mean? What kind of goodness is God artfully working in us, and how does that affect our everyday life? So the first point that we come to as we take a look at this, at this next fruit of the Spirit, is what it is, what it isn't, and what it is. Believe it or not, this word that's translated as good, goodness in the English is actually only found four times in the entire New Testament and nowhere in ancient Greek secular writings. That's very interesting, isn't it? What may seem like an obstacle for us in understanding what Paul is trying to say, not only here in Galatians, but elsewhere in his other letters, are, is actually a good thing. And why is that? Because it forces us to look at the way the word good is defined in the Bible, which will directly explain what goodness is for us. As with all the other fruits of the Spirit, 
in order to understand what the fruit really is and what it really means, we have to look at whom? All right, let's get everybody woken up and paying attention. I asked everyone a question. (laughs) We have to look at whom? We have to look at God, exactly. There are two kinds of good that we see in Scripture, but both directly connected to each other. And In fact, the one kind is derived from the first. What do I mean? In Psalm 119.68, the author describes exactly this truth for us in describing God. He simply says, you are good and do good. That's probably the most simple definition of goodness right there. You are good and do good. That is the simplest definition, description of what true goodness is. God and what he does, right? Even as simple as that definition is, there's a whole lot wrapped up in there, isn't there? Firstly, God is good. Not that God has goodness in him, but God himself is the very definition of what is good. That is an incredible source of peace in this world, isn't it? That if you want to know what good is, you look at God. That's the very definition of good. It seems like everyone has their own definition of what good is these days, right? Anyone who disagrees with you, you see as not good. But if we get rid of our preconceptions and what we feel comfortable or uncomfortable with, and see that good can only be defined as who God is, then we have a stable foundation. We're not left wondering. So what does that mean? It means that everything God says and does is good because it can only come from a 100% perfectly good source. Jesus said as much when he told an inquirer, and he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you, want, if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Jesus directly connected what God said, that is, his commandments, with the goodness of God. That means that everything God has said is intrinsically good because God said it. We as fallen human beings can't even come close to having the qualification of perfect goodness to criticize, pick apart, judge, or ignore what God has said. We may need to dig a little bit to understand how something God has said connects with us in our culture today, but that does not in any way negate the fact that that goodness is still there. And since we know who God is according to what he chooses to reveal to us, we can only understand what good is from what he's chosen to reveal to us, right? One part of that is from what he says. You want to know what is good? Read what God has said. In this time and culture, there is a a myriad of views of what's good and what isn't. You can have, you have one place you can go and must go in order to know what good is. That's why the psalmist also says this in Psalm 119. You are good and do good. And then he says, teach me your statutes. The psalmist wants God to teach him God's decrees because he knows that that is the only source he can turn to in order to know what is good and what is not good. 
So you can't say you believe in God and believe in his goodness and cast away how he's chosen to reveal what goodness is and what goodness isn't. You can't create your definition of goodness around picking and choosing what you agree with or think is good from the Bible. All of the Bible must be good or else none of it is. For if we choose to not believe or ignore different parts of it, then how can we believe or accept what we like to be true? If we do that, then what are we basing the definition of goodness on? Ourselves. And all of a sudden, the paradigm has shifted into this. Goodness is defined by whatever is most culturally popular at the time. And if you don't agree with that, then you are not good. But what if the culture is deceived into thinking that what is good is really evil? Do you think that Hitler's rallies were culturally popular in the 1930s? Very, very popular. If we took our definition of what good is from what, was culturally, what is culturally popular at any given time, then you could say that Hitler's rallies were good. They had to be. They had to be popular. Or else an entire generation of Germans would not have marched off to war. You see what I'm, get, what I'm getting at here? That you cannot base your definition of good on what you think is good or not good. That is why the source of true goodness must be the exact source as moral holiness and perfection or else everything is up for grabs. We only know what is morally holy from what the only source of moral holiness has revealed to us. We cannot know it from any other means or else it's goodness that is flawed in some way. The other half of what we know to be good comes from what God does, right? That we see here in Psalm 119. We looked at what he says, but our knowledge of goodness also comes from what God does. The most basic form of this is going into the woods or on the top of a mountain or walking along the shore and looking around. Even though the Bible says that the earth has been placed under a curse because of humanity's sin, we can still catch glimpses of God's goodness, can't we? And this is what I mean. What did the Bible say that God did after each act of creation in the beginning of Genesis? And God saw that it was good. What else does God do to show what goodness is? 2 Corinthians tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Nahum tells us, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who take refuge in him. That is another thing that God does that is good to show his goodness. 
And James says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And those are just a few of the many ways that God shows goodness towards us as his children. What is one of the greatest acts of God's goodness towards us? Philippians chapter 1, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. That's another good thing that God does. God's goodness is also revealed to us in transforming us into the character of Christ and by creating fruits of the Holy Spirit in us in the first place. In other words, God's goodness is shown to us by making us good. That is, who He is. True goodness is directly connected with kindness, as we talked about last week, and that it informs what kindness in which how kindness is, is to be shown. Goodness informs how kindness is to be shown. Let me explain. As we've seen, goodness is defined by who God is, right? Goodness is defined by, how God, by who God is. Which also includes his standard of righteousness and what is best. So goodness is the standard by which we show kindness. If we just had kindness without goodness, that kindness could be detrimental to somebody, couldn't it? And that there would be no guidance to righteousness. That's what makes goodness similar to kindness, but that's also what makes goodness distinct from kindness. If someone is constantly showered with kindness, there is no standard of good, and, and, and there is no standard of goodness and righteousness that is Christ-like purpose behind that kindness, then that kindness may not be the best for that person. Take a parent and child, for instance. If there is no purpose of goodness, that is, in raising that child to be righteous according to God's standards, but that parent only showers that child with kindness, that child would not grow into the person they should have grown into, would they? No. So kindness needs goodness. Kindness, uh, goodness informs how kindness should be shown. That's what leads us to perhaps the hardest revelation of God's goodness towards us. That is his discipline in our lives. Hebrews 12 says he disciplines us for our what? For our good. So that we may share his holiness. Because he is good, God's goal for us is our spiritual growth. Not our comfort, not having what we might think as a good life, but, in, but what is good to God, what his goal for us is, is our spiritual growth. It may not necessarily be discipline, but you know what sovereign God's goal for our growth even turns? Did you know that God's goal for our growth even turns the tough dark and bad times into something else, doesn't it? As hard as it is to believe, God's goal for our growth turns the tough, dark, and bad times in our lives into 
good. Romans 8 says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This brings us to God's plan, not only for the world, but for our individual lives. Since God is the very definition of good, which makes everything he says and does good, then his whole plan, therefore, is what? Good. And since God is so good to us, he is in the process of helping us to understand more and more of what that good plan is. Romans 12 says this, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now we come full circle to what we talked about at the beginning of this message. We only know who God is and therefore what goodness is and how he's showing it in our lives by seeing it through what he said. Then we can take what he said and see our lives through its lenses and praise him for all the goodness he's shown to us on an everyday basis. Does anybody remember what the definition of joy is? from a little while back when we first started the Fruits of the Spirit series. Joy is the awareness and recognition of God's grace in our everyday lives. That is the definition of what joy is. The awareness and the recognition of God's grace in our everyday lives. We also see how God's Moral holiness is directly connected to his goodness and therefore his kindness. So in short, there are two kinds of goodness, both found in God. The first kind of goodness is moral righteousness, according to who God, who God is. That first kind of goodness sources the second kind of goodness, which is then shown to others. God illustrates it perfectly for us, both in his character of perfect goodness and how he shows that perfect goodness to us. As his children, he is creating a reflection of that in us by growing the fruit of the Spirit known as goodness in us. So we looked at what it is. It's God, in short. And secondly, what that means for us. We read in Galatians 5.22 that goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. And as mentioned before, the fruits of the Spirit can be divided up into three categories, with each category having three fruits in them. The first three fruits are inward fruits, grown in us by the Holy Spirit. Those are love, joy, and peace. The second group of fruits, of which goodness is a part, are outward shown fruits, sourced from the inward fruits. So knowing that, goodness cannot just be an inward state of our hearts. That is attention to cultivating an environment in which holiness can be grown. But that righteousness goes hand in hand with and is meant to source outward goodness. In that regard, it's very similar to kindness, but kindness with a righteous purpose. Many people appear to be kind but with misplaced, selfish, or even downright evil motives. Kindness must be connected not only with humble usefulness, but with righteous goodness in order for it to be true kindness. 
In other words, goodness can also be known as righteous kindness. It's taking the goodness of God and the goodness he has shown to you along with his standard of goodness and passing that goodness along to others. This is one of the other only four times this word for goodness appears in the New Testament and it gives us a very powerful indication of how the fruit of goodness is supposed to be seen in us. In 2 Thessalonians 1, we read, So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. So the fruit of the spirit of goodness goes way beyond God growing in you the knowledge of what's good and evil and molding you into good. It goes way beyond that. The fruit of goodness is also shown both to our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also to those we interact with in the world. This is where kindness connects with goodness again. We looked last week at the same exact word for kindness used in Romans chapter 3, right? Do you remember this from last week? All have turned aside, together they have become useless. There is none who, and the same exact word for kindness here, does good. There is not even one. The same word for kindness is used for the phrase, does good. Like kindness, goodness cannot only be limited to what we say and how we say it to others. Goodness is done for others. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So the fruit of the spirit of goodness is not just, is not just God creating moral righteousness in us. It's shown goodness because God saved us in order to do one reason, in order to do good works that he thought of before he saved us. In other words, one of the whole points that God is transforming us and growing these fruits of the Spirit in us in the first place is not just to, for us to say, well, I know what goodness is, and that makes me feel good. The whole reason, one of the whole points that God is transforming us and growing these fruits of the Spirit in us in the first place is so that we would honor Him by doing good things for others. What we also see here is that doing good according to God's growth in you is not fruitless, directionless, or purposeless. Doing good must be with purpose because it's part of God's purposeful plan. If it's not done, it's not done just to do your one good deed for the day and then you're good. It's an outpouring of the goodness that God has shown to you in order to lead others towards that same divine goodness. Doing good for others also includes helping them then do good for others. The author of Hebrews tells us this in, in Hebrews chapter 10. For we are his workmen... Oh, I have the wrong verse on there. It says... 
Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's what Hebrews chapter 10 says. How can you help a brother or sister be motivated to manifest the fruit of goodness by doing good works? How can we help each other do that? Could it even be by your example and enthusiastic and motivated service for God in your church and your community? Did you know that you could actually help your brothers and sisters in their growth of goodness by providing ways for them to have that grown in them and to help them in that? Because he is good, God will reward us for doing good. Paul will say later on in this letter, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Again, this is goodness in connection with God's righteousness, not our own definition. This is goodness in connection with purpose and effectiveness for the kingdom of God. So what can you do this week to show the goodness of God that he has shown to you and that he is growing in your heart? What can you do this week to motivate another brother or sister to also do good this week. Our faith is a living faith. It's a bold faith. And it's a faith that takes us out of our comfort zones. If you were looking for a faith that kept you in your comfort zone, this isn't it. At least not true biblical. (laughs) We're not supposed to desire to remain inside our comfort zones. God will always take us out of our comfort zones because, again, his goal for us is to grow and to be stretched. Are you providing an environment for God to grow inward and outward goodness in you? Are you looking for opportunities to have that grown in you? Or do you not care or seek to overlook this fruit? Let us be known outside the four walls of this church as people who not only say good, but do good. And not just a few of the people who make up the church here, but let all of us be known that way, who don't just say good, but do good. Let us all be infinitely grateful for the indescribable goodness that God has shown to each and every one of us. And seek to pour out that goodness on others. Let us all open ourselves completely up for God to grow inward and outward goodness in us. And let us look for opportunities to show that goodness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this fruit of the Spirit that often gets overlooked. Or we think we know what it is. But Lord, I pray that if we didn't realize it yet that we do now that goodness is not just an inward fruit but it's an outward fruit too it's to be shown it's to it's it's to be poured out on others because you pour it out on us on an everyday basis we thank you so much for your indescribable goodness towards us first of all in saving us and second of all by providing for our every need and calling us your children Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here 
wants to stay in their comfort zone or to who doesn't want to show that goodness to others. Lord, I pray that you would shake them up. I pray that you would shake us all up, that we would be a church where everyone, not just a few, but everyone say and says and does good towards others on an everyday basis. We thank you for who you are and that you are the definition of goodness. We thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as we sing our closing hymn.